if you mention one of those 100 countries, I'll have a very specific memory or many from that place. So what I loved about it is like when I change my environment or take on a new experience, mm-hmm. like the one we met at, like that's ingrained in my mind forever. Mm-hmm. But if you told me like what I was doing, jobs in New York and my life in New York, it's all blur. Yeah. It's all like, you know, the matrix blur where I just was doing the same thing. If you, if you picked a random date on the calendar, I was probably stressing about the biggest work problem that week. Welcome to Beyond the Matrix with your host, Adric Suber. Have you ever wondered if this is all there is in life? What lies beyond what we were made to believe? In this podcast, we're going to uncover real human stories of those who have taken courage to go off the beaten path and live in full authenticity. We're going to challenge what you believe is possible, fuel your spirit with courage and heart with warmth to fully live your truth. So buckle up and get ready for the ride beyond, beyond the matrix. The matrix. Welcome back to Beyond the Matrix. And on this episode, we have a very special guest. He is a social entrepreneur with an MBA with honors from New York University and a career of working at top organizations like Goldman Sachs. In 2013, he left the corporate world behind in an effort to explore the actual world. After traveling to after 100 countries, running 25 marathons and supporting social causes, he launched Nomads Giving Back with a vision to inspire you to give back to the communities you call home away from home. He's someone that I get to call my brother in Bali, someone has inspired me with his courage and his boldness to give back to the community globally. Please welcome the one and only Tarek Kalusi. Hey, Yay. thanks for having me, Andrew. Just wanted to share quickly how we met. The first day where I, when I left my job at Google, actually, and it was in a pretty secret ceremony. <laughs> it was definitely um, the way we met. It was it was quite special. Yeah, and it was very magical experience. I'm so happy to share that with you and grow our friendship from that day. So maybe you could give us a little bit of uh, introduction about yourself and what you're doing in Omets Giving Back and what inspired you to start it. Yeah, I'm Tariq, and I am currently talking to you from beautiful Bali. Uh, I think it's both our home away from homes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I never would have imagined that where I am today based on the past. And I look forward to getting into that with you. Um, but today, I really focus most of my energy on building the social enterprise Nomads Giving Back and Nomad Skillshare. Mm-hmm. With Nomads Giving Back, our team, our amazing team from around the world, uh, we are all live on the vision to really inspire uh, everyone, global citizens, to connect more locally in their communities and to, and to give back, um, especially through Skillshare. So with Nomad Skillshare, we, we think that it's amazing if you can learn the skills to empower you to live the lives you imagined, mm-hmm. especially through community. Yeah. Um, and we do this through uh, various advocacy efforts. We raise awareness of local causes and have lots of partnerships. Uh, we do this through fundraising efforts mm-hmm. and a lot of volunteering. We have a, a free volunteer matching program where we match people with organizations that they're passionate about. And so they can share their skills and really feel the impact mm-hmm. uh, in the world. And uh, yeah, a lot of our focus these days is also on creating master classes and workshops and courses uh, for everyone, but especially for local communities. Mm. We just launched our first course uh, a couple months ago. Wow. It was a one-month course uh, where we taught nine Indonesians 
uh, over 12 workshops how to get their dream online jobs. Mm -hmm. And wow. uh, it was beautiful to see how we crowdsourced the effort where we had yeah. uh, our team as well as some ambassadors and friends that have amazing skills. Um, one of them actually lived, um, works at, worked at Google, huh. where she led interviewing and had thousands and thousands of interviews um, and, and helped consult for Google, one of the best companies in the world where you used to work. Yeah. Um, and here she is teaching Indonesians in person. Wow. This amazing skill. So we we're able to bring in some amazing, talented people that love to share their passion and their skills. Yeah. Um, and create those connections because that's where the magic happens, mm -hmm. right? Especially yeah. when you might be from very different backgrounds, but you're aligned in terms of the values that you share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so really excited about the future and seeing how we can continue to mobilize the power of community mm -hmm. uh, to really, you know, it's a win-win if you can help others. It also helps you to feel like you can empower someone. That's a very empowering feeling for you. 100%. I've grown to learn over time. The best feeling is not the feeling of being able to satisfy my own needs or desires. It's when we're able to make an impact on others by empowering, uplifting, inspiring, or just making a tiny little difference in someone's life. And there's nothing that compared to that feeling. Exactly. Exactly. And I really commend you for creating such a such a platform that creates the opportunities for so many nomads globally to be able to feel this way. And, and by doing that also creates a positive impact, a ripple of positive impact in their community. Cause you know, being nomads, I think a lot of the um, impression that is not so positive that people have is like, we're just going around the world trying to live a luxurious life, make the most out of uh, low living costs in the developing countries. So true, some of some of the nomads don't have such a level of awareness to think of how they could do that, but a lot of them and us do actually. We're very conscious that we're very privileged and we're taking a lot from the place where we're living, especially in Bali, where we live in such an abundance. And a lot of us are thinking, how can we give back so that we're not only taking, but we can give a little bit of what we've learned over the world in our life to the community, empower and uplift the people that we touch and have been so kind to be present in our lives and for you to be giving this opportunity. Because I think a lot of the times people have the wheel and the thoughts, but they just don't know the how. There's no medium or ways. So for you to be able to create the ways for these people to really enable them, I find that really inspiring. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think uh, at the end of the day, we all crave connection and we crave community. Um, and and that's what I think is the common thread of connecting foreigners and locals uh, to form those bonds. And I think, you know, you mentioned a point about how we as foreigners in another country will have um, a lot of impact. And that's not always positive. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And I think it, before you can empower someone to give back and make a positive difference, you gotta, you gotta know why. Mm -hmm. So before the how, there needs to be the why. How do you inspire? And, but even before that step, it's the inform. What's the why? Like, if you don't know what the social problems are and the social needs are, mm -hmm. how could you even know why to help and right. then how to help? So we, we, we try to take um, people on a journey of wherever they're at on their, on their effort and incentive or desire to give back. Um, 
through even as simple as having giving back guides. So we have giving back guides for a few of the Nomad Hubs and we're continuing to build those. And mm-hmm. So it'll give me a starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have events where we've had more than 100 events where we often will raise awareness of the local causes and bring them, like literally give them a platform, a stage mm-hmm. to share how they're helping and how the audience and the participants can also help. Um, and it's amazing when you see people come together like that on a similar goal and the relationships that are born out of that. Walk me through a little bit of your history with Nomads Giving Back. When do you start this? You say you've run hundreds of events. What's the impact been like over the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So we started Nomads Giving Back two and a half years ago. It was in a talk that I gave on something called the Nomad Cruise to 500 Nomads. Mm -hmm. I was sharing basically my life journey, um, the lessons I learned uh, about my three major goals I had leading up to that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I calculated at one point when I was backpacking around the world uh, that I was a thousand days away from turning 40. So about about two and a half years. So I made this personal and public declaration that in the next thousand days leading to my 40th birthday, I want to explore a hundred countries to fuel my soul. I want to run 25 marathons to really challenge and cherish my body. And that I wanted to create a social enterprise. And so at that moment, I had, I was four days away from the hundredth country. It was two months after running the 25th marathon, but the biggest and hardest and most important one I hadn't done yet creating yeah. a social enterprise right so i used that talk to announce the birth of all i had was a logo yeah and a vision nomads giving back to help inspire nomads to to give back to local communities wow and um and from that it was just amazing to see the momentum that came from that because i put in a very vulnerable state my vision and a lot of people in that room ended up being early supporters of our projects mm-hmm. through volunteering through raising awareness um and since then we've had uh, 120 events all types um in, throughout 10 different countries but most of them were in our two main hubs which is bali and medellin colombia mm-hmm. the two places i've been living mm-hmm. and we piloted something in buenos aires as well mm-hmm. and, and now we also have a uh, a presence in madeira off of portugal which is also a um a big nomad hub they open a village there Wow. So uh, throughout that time, a lot of it was about advocacy. It was raising awareness of the local causes to help give them a bigger platform, form those relationships, those partnerships, um, and create those bridges to mm-hmm. the foreign communities. Um, we did a lot of like masterminds and skill shares, where sometimes it would be um, often like teaching skills to locals, like that course I mentioned. Yeah. And uh, we've even done like impact trips. Um, we have giving back guides, we have a volunteer matching program, um, and we, we grew this uh, global community, but also internally our team. We now have uh, close to 50 volunteers that are uh, part-time, that are contributing in a way that they feel they can. It could even be like a few hours a month sometimes, or it could be as much as 20 hours a week. Um, and it gives them an opportunity to learn new skills and yeah. often take on responsibility that they wouldn't normally get paid work for. Yeah. So that way it builds their confidence and abilities for personal and professional growth. Yeah. Um, and what I love too, is that our team in Bali is growing more and more with Indonesians. Mm-hmm. So if we want to, if we want to serve as a bridge 
we need a beer bridge. Yes. And I just love um, trying to walk the walk more than talk the talk. Yeah. Um, and I realized that it's still a journey for me. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm still learning what it means to be socially conscious and how to yeah. optimize my personal impact. Yeah. Um, and the more that I get to know uh, the locals wherever I am right now, Indonesians, um, I realize, you know, that I didn't know as much as I thought. Mm. It's very humbling to yeah. understand more and more. And I really love the fact that you managed to involve more and more Indonesians because I it always seems like there's this like separation between the nomads, the foreigners with the locals. And like you said, there's this like white savior mentality and and it causes that kind of like class division. Um, but the fact that you managed to involve the locals, uh, it seems to be something that is more kind of integrated. The locals will also be able to inform you what is really going on and, and how can the local communities here can receive help in the way that is really best suited for them. Exactly, exactly. Like I'll, I'll give you a, a quick example. Our last couple of events here in Bali, um, at least one third of the participants were Indonesian. Mm-hmm. And when I look at all the other events I go to uh, that are available, it's it's never like that. Yeah, It's usually the only Indonesians are the ones that are serving the event and not participating. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's an occasional few, but in general, and it begs the question, why? Yeah. And I think there's a few factors, but one obvious one is the socially economic barrier. Mm-hmm. If the event or the gym or the co-working space or the bar, or the club, or the restaurant, if if it's at a certain price point, it automatically will eliminate mm-hmm. the masses of, that are at a lower income level. Yeah. And then once you start to create these bubbles, bubbles are re- self-reinforcing. Once people already have their immediate community, their friends and their routine, when they actually step out of that, yeah, and that's one of our big parts of our mission is to create more opportunities because I think most of my friends would all say, "I wish I had more opportunities to meet locals." Mm. And then I talk to my local friends, and they also say the same thing. Yeah, I wish I could meet more foreigners. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in discussions with the Teachers Association of Indonesia, who love the idea of learning digital skills that mm. the foreigners are doing in their country, but they. I'm the, I think I'm the first one that had a conversation with them because it's just yeah. these opportunities aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to congratulate you, man. Like two and a half years, I think you've achieved a lot of like incredible milestones, like hundreds of events. You have like global footprint in many countries and you managed to involve the locals and you've made like significant difference in uplifting and up-leveling the skills of the community here with your skill sharing the workshops that you've done so that's that's uh incredible achievements that you thanks i appreciate it but i, I gotta tell you like our team is amazing yeah like, you know we get on our zoom calls and our public online events yeah and it, it feels like the united nations you know <laughs> yeah like we'll have people come at dialing in from europe colombia like Kenya, Zimbabwe, yeah, uh, like it's literally like um, it's so much fun to see that community no longer is the way it had to be, where it's based on a geographic location mm-hmm. or a faith or something yeah. like that. This is more about bringing people together with shared values and a similar vision, yeah, and that uh, we are all global citizens. You know, one of my favorite uh, phrases or lines is that. You know, some people believe a nomad is someone who has no home. Mm-hmm. 
And I believe a nomad is someone who believes the entire world mm -hmm. is their home, like a true global citizen. Yes. Why does it matter where I happen to be born on that day yeah. four decades ago? And that's just the birth lottery of yeah. being born in America. And then I have a lot of privilege that comes with that. Yeah. But the people I see every day in Indonesia, if I was born in their shoes, I would be them. If I lived the lives they lived, I would be them and they would be me. Like we're all equal and there's a lot of luck involved in terms of what direction our lives are set in. Mm. And so I, I really believe I, I, I'm one of those people that won the birth lottery and that, mm. you know, the least I can do is just try to be mindful and grateful for that mm. and to pay forward. But what I really love is inspiring others mm. to become the best version of themselves, you know, through, through connection and through meaning. And I think community helps with the connection. And the idea of giving back and empowering others is where I get meaning. And I think a lot of others could as well. Yeah. Wow, man, that really moved me. The last piece that you just shared, just acknowledging the lottery ticket that you won and acknowledging that and thinking of how you can make the most out of what has been given to you and really work your way through equalizing the playing field and making sure that you don't take this for granted and use your knowledge and experiences, your education and skills to uplift and uplevel others. Because I know there are many people who are very privileged who have uh, won the biggest lottery ticket and do nothing about it. They continue living in their bubble and that's what causes the, the separation, division, and inequality that we see in the world. And I like to kind of go back a little bit to your backstory of like, how do you manage to develop this deep level of awareness, uh, especially some of the stories that you have like humbly and casually dropped, you know, like traveling a hundred countries or 25 marathons. Tarek doesn't like a place small, I gotta tell you. So you mentioned, you know, you graduated from top university, you work for top companies. And what was that journey like to get to where you are today? Absolutely. Uh, thanks. So, yeah, I was like I mentioned, I was born in the States and um, into like a beautiful, loving family that just gave me the opportunity to get educated and uh, eventually found myself landing in New York City, building a corporate career like many of my friends would do. Mm. And uh, it was off to a rocky start right away because I happened to graduate, move to start my dream job two months before 9-11 into New York City. And, you know, that was a really tough time, yeah. uh, you know, for many reasons. I was actually supposed to fly on 9-11 from Boston Airport, wow. where two of the hijacked planes came from. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I really felt, uh, luckily not like as much as many other people, but definitely felt the heaviness. And yeah. Coming from an Egyptian background, that threw another dynamic being from an Arab Muslim background mm -hmm. in terms of the complexity of how to process everything. Yeah. And then very soon after, I also got uh, that dream job was a massive, reputable company called Arthur Anderson. And that company got caught up with the Enron scandal, which was mm -hmm. the biggest scandal probably in our lifetime, uh, corporate-wise. And I lost my job. The whole company went under. And then I also had some personal stuff with relationships, my family around that time. And I was unemployed in a bad economy with an Egyptian background yeah. and having personal problems on top of that. 
<laughs> and I it was the first time I had that kind of like insecurity and yeah. vulnerability. Absolutely. Uh, especially so suddenly when I thought I was about to take over the world. Yeah. It just switch happened so sudden. Oh, you right. thought like you're on top of the world and suddenly the whole world is kind of crashed on you. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I really do believe everything happens for a reason. And I think what I needed to do is, you know, become humbled and learn what I need to be grateful for. Mm. Um, and also build that core resilience that, mm. you know, when you get knocked down, you're the only one who can pick yourself up by the bootstraps. So I went six months unemployed and eventually found a job. And then I, I overcompensated by saying, I never want to be this vulnerable again. So I'm going to bust my ass so that I can climb the corporate ladder, make money, save, invest. Um, and that became my top priority mm. at the expense of other things. Right. So I was operating in the mind, prioritizing professional growth, didn't make much effort and energy towards my personal growth, towards my body, towards my soul, mm. towards my heart. Yeah. Um, and we only have so much energy. Yeah. And also... Who I was surrounded with. I was in New York City in the corporate world, working in environments like Goldman Sachs. Professional growth is all that matters. Yeah. Know? I mean, for the most part of the time, yeah. if you want to compete and succeed, there's not much energy yeah. for us. Yeah. The things. hustling culture in New York can be quite toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And so you fast forward a bunch of years, and I had a roller coaster of a career, some one step backs, but many two, three steps forward. And I found myself at a point now where when I would get a, a raise or a bonus or a promotion, I'd feel really good for a quick moment. Mm -hmm. And then it would become now the new norm. You yeah. know, like, what's next? And when you get out of that mindset where you always want more, then you're never satisfied. Yeah. And where was the meaning? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I started using my vacation times to get as far as I could from New York, not just geographically, but also like mm -hmm. socioeconomically, culturally. And I started trying these volunteer projects abroad. Mm -hmm. um, it took me to places like Zambia, and Kenya, and wow. um, Sri Lanka. And, wow. and I fell in love with the idea of being in so-called real world, you know, not the corporate world and connecting locally and, and these communities um have so much to offer in terms of life lessons yeah wait and, i want to pause you for yeah, a second like, sure. how do you even have that idea of putting yourself in such an uncomfortable situation from living in a very uh having a high standard living you know like working with top company it's such a comfortable pleasant life to like going all the way to Zimbabwe and Kenya, where you're touring yourself to the deep end and to the other extreme. Like, how does one even have that thought to push yourself to that level? Yeah, well, I think you need, I think I eventually tapped into my intuition of what I actually enjoy. Like when I would find myself like, what books am I reading? I read a lot about like international economics and, and aid and things like that. Mm -hmm. What TED talks would I watch? What, you know, what, what movies or songs would come up? And I would love just the diversity and the mm -hmm. exoticness and the, and also like, I think I was swimming upstream, like in terms of the values that I was surrounded by, yeah. where it just, something just didn't, intuitively makes sense mm -hmm. how i was living around the people i was around right how many years of this lifestyle about a dozen 
Yeah, I was into my early 30s. Um, and, and then eventually, um, after having those moments of connecting with like, not just the locals, but the foreigners who were like impact focused, yeah. I would come back to New York, put the suit on on the Monday, and all of a sudden feel like, wow, that was the most inspiring experience. Wow. And now I'm so inspired. So like understanding what makes me tick, what brings yeah. out the, what makes me come alive. Yeah. And then what doesn't make me come alive? And I'm like, how is it that I just worked for 50 weeks to have the most amazing two weeks of my life mm. and it had nothing to do with making money. In fact, I spent money. Yeah. Um, and it was those feelings, those emotions that were evoked is yeah. what eventually evolved to like some triggers to make a change. Yeah. I really like that because I think, you know, I think for a lot of people who feel like they're stuck and depressed and lost, the best thing that they could do is just jump on a plane and go to a completely new country and like put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation. Because sometimes that jolt that you feel in your system could just give you that little nudge and reminder that you mean that there's so much more to life than what you currently know. Because I think for a lot of people who feel that feeling of being stuck or depressed, they're, they're so caught up with their day-to-day -day, like motion and loop that they they forgot to feel how it feels to be in awe and to feel inspired again. So I really like your approach of just pushing all the way to the extreme, living in like in um, in poverty and like helping people who are really struggling to really see what's at the end of the world and really have that contrast with the life that you had back in New York. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we need a a shock to the system to wake up. Yeah. You know, and we have this default mode networks, like, and the whole concept of the matrix, right? Yeah. The alpha matrix. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. Yes. So you have to step into the unknown, the outside your comfort zone to under, to get the perspective. Yeah. It's like this, the, the funny quick story of the, the, the two young fish were swimming and the older fish, wise fish was swimming by and said to the younger fish, how's the water today? And then the younger fish looked at each other and said, what the hell is he talking about? I mean, if you're a fish in water, you don't know you're in water. Mm. You know, it's unless you have like some insights, experiences outside the water from mm. life to, to know what's going on. And yes. Um, and, and don't understand. I learned not to underestimate the power of the energies that are around you. Mm -hmm. And I think the one of the most important lessons I learned is surround yourself with the energies that inspire you. hundred percent. Energies are contagious. Yes. And you know, coming back from some of those volunteer trips, I've had senior bosses who would be very condescending and tell me, "What kind of vacation is that? Why would you want to do that on your time and not go on a cruise or something?" And when someone with authority and leadership and you know, we often look to our leaders. Yeah. So I had to like really do some um, deep thinking about what does my immediate circle, what would my family think? What yeah. Would, um, yeah. So there's a lot of this sort of like taking a leap of faith to trust your intuition that goes against the social norms. Yeah. And and once you follow that intuition to design an environment and put yourself in an environment that truly supports you to follow that intuition because like what you said about energy is 
like I completely resonate. Like as much as I, we like to think that we're like a, we have free will and we have uh, our agency to think the way we want and feel the way we want. As much as we don't like it, we are a product of the people around us and our environment. If we think a but like hundred people in our circle think B, we can't help but to second guess ourselves. Is is what I'm thinking correct? Like. It's uh, maybe that was just a silly idea. And then you start kind of changing your mind, have doubts. I have countless of stories of people coming back from a retreat, feeling like rejuvenated and like alive. And then they're back to their default life and they're back to their uh, old pattern again. And they lost that like spark that they found in themselves. So yeah, 100% like, you, you know, your environment makes, makes up who you are. Yeah. yeah, for better or worse. For better or worse. Yeah, and for you to kind of, and then I think that's what is happening to you back then. Was like you're starting to see the dissonance between who you like to be, the kind of life you want to lead, with the people that you're being surrounded by in New York. And you know, to add a little extra element to that, I like to think of the analogy of I was climbing a ladder on on a wall, and you know, I would look over at the other buildings and realize that's actually more what I want to do. I want to climb that wall. Like going down the entrepreneurial path, the impact path, the international path. And the thing is, is that the higher you climb on that ladder, it's hard to then realize if you want to go another wall, you have to go all the way down and start all over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had invested, you know, a dozen years into this career that there was probably no going back. Yeah. Um, You know, and... And it's almost easier to make change when the situation is bad mm. because then the opportunity cost is less. Right. But when you actually are making um, more money than I thought I would with more responsibility, with more respect than I thought I would at that age, and then to walk away from it, people thought I lost my mind. And they might have been right because I was operating so much in the mind. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't mean that's good. Yeah. You know, it's good to lose yourself sometimes in order to not just find yourself but create yourself mm-hmm. really good experiences to become the person you actually want to be yeah 100 percent. like i resonate so much because that's what i felt the kind of conundrum i had before i decided to leave google like this I, i've been so lucky to be working for such a top company especially at such a challenging time where people lost their jobs and here i am like having this privileged job and then like thinking that i want to give it all away to like go to bali and like really explore and discover myself and start my own venture sometimes i thought like (laughs) i'm losing my mind like like i don't know how to be grateful for what i have but like you said you know like sometimes you can't ignore that calling intuition that there's something more that you don't know what it is yet right but you know, there's something else out there that is like calling you. And, exactly. and I really, you know, for me, it was like a kind of a five year corporate career before it's like 12 years in, you know, and to keep that all the way. And especially in the environment where the ladder was like a, a really hard to climb and you got all your, yourself all the way up there and to be, to just consciously decide to put your ladder against a different wall. That's, that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, there were like a few very specific moments um, uh, that were the triggers to help me take that leap. Because mm-hmm. I thought about this kind of path for years, how to take 
some smack in the faces, some wake up calls. And you know, the, the most powerful one uh, was tw in 2013, it was when my cousin suddenly died. He was about my age. And that was the first person in my life that I knew well who had died, especially young. And so that was a huge wake up call. We all know we're going to die, but it's not until you feel it yeah. that it becomes, it raises that awareness, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought about things like, well, if that can happen to me too, what, how would I, how would I have been more at peace with, with dying? Mm -hmm. You know, will I feel like I really fully lived the way I wanted to? Yeah. Um, and then the, another negative hard thing happened was uh, I was living in New York when right around the same time when Hurricane Sandy happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, that storm was pretty impactful where hundreds of people died. In the village where I was living, we didn't have power for four days. So it felt like Armageddon, mm -hmm. you know, like Manhattan without power. Wow. Um, and I, I was scheduled to run my very first marathon, the New York City Marathon, which was a lifelong dream of mine. Never thought it was in my cards because I was not that healthy. I was a smoker, a little overweight, and and but I was working towards this goal. Mm. And two days beforehand, for the first time in the New York Marathon history, they canceled it because they realized the damage that the storm had done, especially in Staten Island where the race was to start. Yeah. So in lieu of the marathon on that special day, I ended up volunteering to help clear the homes uh, where there was damage. And I'll never forget the the family I helped the most that day was trapped in their attic for two days with no connection to the outside world. So they didn't know how bad the storm was. They didn't know if they're going to be saved. Yeah. And seeing their entire home destroyed, like moving everything in their house, and seeing how resilient they were too, and seeing how the volunteers came to help out, it was a very emotional day from like inspiration to sadness to empathy like mm. um but both you know and two little boys died in their backyard you know and like the, again another experience of death that came close to me if the storm had just been a little bit more worse it could have affected thousands of people it could have affected me right yeah. um so those are the two things but on the positive note two weeks later i i did run a marathon in mm. philadelphia mm. the city of my birth Right. And to me, that was like a rebirth because mm -hmm. running a marathon with my history and my confidence at the time yeah. was the impossible. Yes. So now I haven't crossed that finish line at that time. I thought, well, if I can do the impossible in this part of my life, what if I could do another thing I thought was impossible in another part of my life? Yeah. And then that was the third thing. And the fourth thing that happened all again, all around the same time wow. was I was walking one day from my gym to my flat and I saw this woman moving her boxes on a trolley across the street and they were falling. So I randomly went up to her or serendipitously and said, Hey, can I give you a hand? She's like, yeah, sure. So before you know it, I'm helping her move these boxes down the street in the busy New York city. And we made small talk for just like 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, she changed my life. Wow. She, uh, I asked her what was going on. And she said, well, I just came back from abroad after completing my first big dream. After working in the corporate world for 15 years, uh, I decided to go after a dream and I explored 100 countries. And I'm like, wow, wow. like my mind was blown. And especially someone who had a similar background, about the same age, same experience. 
so then I said, okay, so now you're moving back into New York City and going back to your career? And she said, no, I'm just moving these back to my parents' home because it's, I'm not, I thought I was going to return and I'm not. I'm going to go back abroad and go after my second dream. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued. I was like, what's that? She said to create a social enterprise. And that she was really passionate about impact, especially with a business model, and wanted to like drive sustainable change in her own creative way, leveraging her skills. Yeah. And again, my mind was blown. I'm like, people do this like in real life. And she looked like an everyday average person. To me, she was an everyday hero. Yeah. And uh later that day I sent her an email and said, Hey Chrissy, you know, you have no idea how much you inspired me today. I really hope our paths cross again one day. Wow. So those four things yeah. led me to finally take that leap of the unknown, buy that one-way ticket, and start traveling the world. And long and behold, I did bump into Chrissy four years later here in Bali. Oh my god! By chance, and I'm like, "It's you! you you're the one who changed my life." Yeah. And she was like, "Where are you going?" to help her out. Never, we never talked to you again after that day. Wow. But in that meantime, in those four years, I had adopted and declared two of her dreams that she was doing as my own: a wow. hundred countries and the social enterprise. Wow. And, and, uh, I I just had like goosebumps all over me just to think about the kind of impact that um passerby and like a random stranger could have in your life you know you'll never know what someone can say or do and how that could change someone's life and and what i really learned recently is just by being who we are and being our fullest authentic selves and just by showing up Mm. as ourselves Mm. we could make a big ripple effect of change in people's lives in the ways that we wouldn't really understand or know Oh my God, I love that. I love that so much. It's like the that whole belief about that people should become what brings them, what makes them come alive mm. the most, because that's what the world needs is yeah. people who live, who feel like they're alive, and that energy will just permeate to everyone else. If you're swimming upstream towards the path you're meant to be on, um, it, nothing will will feel like it's fulfilled and content, and you won't be the best version, but finding that path that seems the, the best for you and it's it's not easy it takes a lot of experimenting mm-hmm. like the people that i know that i feel like are on the line paths are those who have had the courage to um try things mm-hmm. and, and and create those uncomfortable situations so yes. that they can actually you know more objectively look at does that feel good mm-hmm. you know like it might not feel good in the moment, but for what reason? Is it because of the fear? Yeah. Or is it because you're not ready to step into your power? Yes. During that time, I intentionally chose to keep that decision to myself mm-hmm. until I already made the decisions and effectuated them. Like before, I didn't tell almost anyone that I was quitting. Mm-hmm. I bought the flights. I had the plan. And during that time, I made a point to surround myself with the energies that support me and yes. to avoid the ones that don't yes don't tell anyone what i was doing unless i think that they would support me yes and don't tell the people that <laughs> and then i went on like a ted talk binge i, I downloaded all these books about personal development yeah and like i just went on this little internal secret retreat yeah, yeah. even though i was still working the office that day but then like in the mornings the weekends and nights i would do everything that kind of like 
come on, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Uh, I love that, man. You're, you're, you intentionally design the environment that will uh, support and elevate your consciousness, that will um, make you feel good about your decision and really empower yourself. And, you know, I've heard so many times, you know, the saying that you're the average of the fact that you surround yourselves with. And oftentimes, I, even I found myself asking this question, like, how do I intentionally find these five people in my life? You know, like sometimes you can, because back then I wasn't that spiritual. I didn't, I, I didn't have a lot of inspiring people that I can look up to in my life. But, you know, like you could, like this, the, these five people don't have to be your friends. They can be exactly. uh, speakers, they find in TED Talks, uh, events that you could go to. Just like keep feeding your mind with all these inspirations that will elevate your consciousness and protect your mind as if it's your garden. And build all this wall so that like you can only grow all these flowers that will give you the wisdom, insights, and power to really live your truth. Amen. I mean, that is so I agree with that. It's like so spot on. You know, there are a few like people that I feel like I know because I read their books like five or ten times or yeah. listened to the same talks over and over, like like Alan Watts and Michael Singer. And um, there are certain people when when you feel like all of a sudden someone's articulating what you really believe in or aspire to become mm -hmm. it's like treat that like like pearls of wisdom mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's not just the people we surround ourselves it's the information we choose to enter our minds mm -hmm. and especially these days it's very hard to filter out the noise yes the skepticism the things that trigger us for the wrong reasons, not the right reasons. Being triggered is not necessarily bad. Yeah. But like, you know, the the haters, you know, the there's a lot of critical people, a lot of fear-minded people. Yeah. And, you know, you know, like just this past month in July, I took my first vacation since starting my giving back two and a half years ago. Wow. Um, I kind of know the whole pattern of work, work, work. <laughs> so I don't pretend to think that I know all the lessons I preach. Yeah. Um, but I tried to realize that, okay, um, I need to get, uh, I need to focus more energy on other goals in my life too. So I'm still learning every day. Yeah. But what I did was I took the month of July off and yeah. went offline. Wow. Uh, and I've only done that once before six years ago when I was hiking in Nepal. Yeah. And it's amazing what happens when you filter out the noise, the stresses, the negative triggers, what surfaces, what comes up, uh, not even in my, not even in my conscious, my subconscious, mm -hmm. my dreams. I started remembering my dreams again. And I started having these memories that I thought about. And you, you know, self-discovery is a lifelong journey. Yeah. And if we crowd information, and, and messages and posts and all this stuff, that's clutter. Yeah. And a lot of it is not even necessary or productive or healthy. So, um, yeah, it was a great, it was a great chance to explore within. Yeah. And I took the opportunity to go after another dream of mine. I, I went for my yoga teacher training. Wow. <laughs> you're, so you're a yoga teacher now. Technically, <laughs> I'm not quite sure that uh, yeah. I'm confident enough to, to do much more. Well, yeah, but I, I didn't do it to become a teacher. I did it more because I'm just really interested in the field. And I wanted to remind myself that I can create the life I want. And also, I'm not really a, a yogi body. Yeah. So it was also humbling. Yeah. to try to learn a skill that doesn't come as naturally to me as it would for others. Mm. Um, but that's also great because I, 
I find myself like other people sometimes not attempting something because it's like, well, I don't think I'm any good at it. But I could have said that about running. Yeah. And then I got pretty for my for my goals, I got pretty good at it. Yeah. Um yeah. And you're just like that bottom on person constantly breaking ceilings after after ceiling, you know, like running your first marathon, traveling to all these countries, becoming a yoga teacher and like knowing that you're not probably the best fit for those things initially, but you don't let those limitations to hold you back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean we are conditioned to think, well, if we're not above average or something, then we shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, how many people miss the opportunity to sing or dance or enjoy themselves because they're not above average? So they don't, mm-hmm. so they don't even attempt it and they miss the pleasures of that. Yeah. And I, I, I'm speaking firsthand. Like, I'm, there are certain things that I still haven't uh, overcome my fear or, or that kind of thing. But, you know, slowly uh, but surely, it's nice to know that over time, there's, growth yeah like that's what really drives me yeah um and just not to to not underappreciate that what inspires me so Mm -hmm. if i can succeed in one thing or have one goal that means i can do other goals Mm -hmm. you know yeah and it's a muscle that you keep developing exactly this confidence that you build over time when you manage to like overcome your doubt like oh i i i was afraid of writing and then uh like example i I assigned myself was i gave myself 100 days of writing challenge where every day i publish my posts and just to get over overcome that like doubt i have in myself or like times where i felt like i couldn't uh survive without getting in and do like five-day water fast and then all this little wins that we accumulated it, it 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 allowed our muscle uh to grow in terms of being able to put ourselves in the in the mystery of the unknown and knowing that we have that ability and resilience to push through and to make anything happen as long as we put our mind to it. Yes. The mind and our soul and the heart into it. Yes. Um, yes. Through those baby steps that like anything in life mm-hmm. where you, you, you have to just jump into the deep end sometimes. Yes. And then you swim. Yes. And, and then you figure it out and then you learn to love to swim. Yeah. Like when I had my first podcast interview, like just after that, the launch, I was so nervous. Oh my god, so nervous. And then now I just learned to love it because I get to talk to. Yeah, it's okay, you're right. a natural, yeah, that's, you know, like it's just constantly dropping like wisdom after wisdom, <laughs> and, and in a very authentic way as well. Uh, no, thank you, thank you. But like, I, and then I would also say from one to ten, um, I maybe went from a one or two to a four or five in my view. But there's other ways I want to use my voice that I haven't grown into yet. Yeah. So just recognizing that it's a journey. Yeah. And that don't let don't let myself think, okay, because I'm not at a nine or ten, don't do it at all. Yeah. You know, just because I'm not a nine or ten at yoga and never will be. Yeah. Doesn't mean don't do it at all. It's yeah. not a competition. Yeah. It's it's what experiences does one want to experience? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I wanted to know more about yoga. Yeah, I wanted to see certain cultures. Yeah, that's it. And you just create those experiences. Yeah, just follow your curiosity. And yeah. that's what all kids do anyway. Like, we all had it in us. But as we grow older, we we're told of, like, things we're not good at. We got criticized. We got judged. And that's why we lost this sense of joy and playfulness to just, like, explore and discover the world. Like, you don't have to be excellent in everything. Like, you yeah. can do things because you just love doing it. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, I'm so empathetic to the past me and people like the past me 
because like it's hard change is hard and and the routine and the pressures i remember a good chunk of years i would basically work all day and by the time i got home i was hungry i would eat dinner put on the tv and pass it out and do it all over again the next day to maybe do something interesting on the weekends right and that just that routine just is not good for the soul yeah for me yeah and you know curating just like interesting staying curious new experiences meeting inspiring people that ends up taking the the negative cycle and becoming more of a inspiring virtuous cycle yes yeah like why is it like a norm now to like work and suffer for like five days a week or like 50 weeks a week so we can have that like two weeks of vacation where we get to enjoy ourselves but like why can't we like just enjoy and play every single day yeah and um i guess that's what you experience in your uh hundred your 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 journey of like traveling and exploring almost 100 countries like walk me through like what was the experience like once you decided to take off and like see the world yeah so i ended up uh after those four powerful moments happening around the same time i ended up building a plan and i planned to run my second marathon ever mm -hmm. uh, the, so I, i quit on my last day was on a friday of work and that saturday i ran a marathon and that sunday i flew and i just started traveling and i decided to go after my bucket list and um and i got addicted to running marathons and so i was just often like find what marathon was happening and wherever I was in the next couple of months. And that would often drive my agenda. Mm. I was like a plastic bag in the wind. I would just, I was so free. Sometimes that freedom was paralyzed. Right. Because when you have so many options, yes, you don't even know where to start sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I even uh, on occasion would go to an airport without a ticket and look at the thick board and be like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to Laos. Wow. Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know really i'm a big believer in serendipity you know like fortunate coincidences and like i believe you meet people for the right reason at the right time and so a lot of times it would be like you know you click with a travel buddy and you would just go somewhere or go meet a previous travel buddy and so yeah. but i also got really into volunteering as well mm. so i did different types of activities and fundraising and um and consulting uh especially in kenya i did a, a four-month a volunteer project in Kenya um, in microfinance, and that was life-changing. Uh, my first time in Sub-Saharan Africa. I did a six-week uh, volunteer project in Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, and both of them had a lot to do with social enterprises. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the model of dragging impact mm. with a business model mm. when possible. There's, yeah. a, there's a place, an important place for nonprofits. Um, but there's also, I think, it, a lot more opportunities to become self-sustaining if yeah. you can build a business model around it. Because then it's way more reliable and impactful um, if if it's done right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I was really into personal growth because yeah. you know I said earlier in my career it was professional growth. Yeah, hundred percent. Now I shifted and did the opposite, and I was more about learning things like like spirituality, mm. uh, yoga. Uh, you know different cultures mm. uh, and i did things like uh, learned about like mindfulness and meditation and, and like you know i did a lot of healing things and, uh you know i basically had no idea that that kind of stuff even existed yeah 
I'm sure it could be found in New York City, but at that time, it wasn't on my radar. Yes. And so I had a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Like, I didn't know a lot. Yeah. Of even like categories of things. I do want to make a note that it doesn't matter how many countries you go to. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, sometimes I feel like a little obnoxious <laughs> mentioning that. Right. But I'll tell you my why. And everyone has their yeah. own why. Yes. For me, when I just started my nomad journey eight years ago, I did it for one year. Mm. And then I went back to New York for three weddings of my college friends all in the same month. And I didn't want to go back, but they were important friends to me. And these are important days. And I'm like, I got to be there. Part of the reason I didn't want to go back is because I was unclear where my journey was going. Mm. And before I even got off the plane at JFK Airport, I opened my phone and saw a message from an old colleague of mine that said, Tark, I don't know where the hell in the world you are these days, but this job opportunity looks perfect for you. Check it out. Mm. And I looked at it and it was perfect for me, but for my past career, mm. not the future, but it was almost written for me on my past career. And I had a month and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, well, I couldn't hurt to apply it. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, well, let's say I get it because it's a better job. Um, not quite better money, but it was up there. And I was like, if it's, if I had this amazing year and everyone said I committed corporate suicide when I left, what a sweet deal to go right back on the ladder where I was and, and have that amazing year. Mm. So I applied and I eventually got that job. And immediately I realized I made a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll never forget like looking in the mirror with the, the suit and the tie and like, it felt like a noose. And I was, um, I was, I like shaved and cut my hair short for that interview. And then like, and I was pale from not being in the sun. And I'm like looking at the photos of a, a month earlier where I hiked Kilimanjaro with the with the, with the beard and the shaggy hair and like feeling on top of the world yeah. I was on top of Africa that day. Yeah. And I'm like, I like that other guy better. Yeah. And I was, that was when I was volunteering in Kenya and I was helping, I felt very inspired and empowered mm. by helping the poorest of the poor, like in some way. Mm. And now I was about to help the richest of the rich, mm. the richest of the rich. And like, I couldn't reconcile how I was exerting my energy and my gifts to this world. Yeah. Um, and it didn't take long for me to, um, you know, I used my first vacation to go do another volunteer assignment in Zimbabwe, uh, sorry, Zambia. And again, like I just felt I was swimming upstream, like the, the feedback I was getting, you know, and, um, you know, I was helping build homes for orphans in the village that had no power, no running yeah. water. And my boss expected me to respond to emails, you know, and I started different told him I was going offline for the two weeks. Yeah. He, uh, he had a tough time approving it. And when I went back, they gave me a really hard time wow. and basically were condescending. And like, you know, I, I don't like to, um, rehash the past in a negative way. I just realized they are who they were because of the conditioning that they had. Yeah. And. I would have done the same thing and said the same things if I lived their lives. It's just that there are, you know, seven and a half, eight billion people in the world. I get to choose what environment I want to be in. Yes. And I don't have to just, you know, succumb to surround myself with the people that don't think like me. Yeah. Um, the reason I brought up that whole story was because I then quit again and started on my journey again. 
And I was afraid that if I didn't set these big multi-year goals, that the same thing would happen again. That I would, you know, feel kind of lost for a moment or two during yeah. the journey and go right back to the corporate world. Yes. And I knew if I set this goal of exploring another 30, 40 countries in a couple of years, I would do it because that's who I am. Um, I like to set goals and go after them. Yeah. So I basically, just like announcing no one's even back during that talk, I had to do it then yeah. because I said I would. <laughs> yeah. So the hardest part for me is when I make a decision to do something, to sign up for the marathon. Yeah. The marathon itself is the easiest part compared right. to signing up for the marathon. Right. The, the, the building the social enterprise is easier than actually saying I will. Yeah. And the, I'm going to stay abroad and go after my dreams. I, I needed to declare it. Um, and I just love traveling. Like it's a passion, you know, like these days I don't have that thirst. I feel like I've been to the buffet. I sampled a lot. Yeah. And I went back for seconds to my favorites and thirds to my favorite favorites. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm comfortable more like exploring within. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a time and place for people's different phases of their lives. First, yeah. So there, yeah. there are two things that kind of came up as I hear your story. Like one is like how human it is, the story that you brought up, the fact that you actually kind of take a pause in your journey of traveling the world because you got tempted. You, you're sucked in back to the your old uh, world. And this is the reality, you know, like what happens after Cinderella man, the prince, you know, like it's not happily ever after. Life goes on, challenges keep coming, temptations and oh yeah, keep questioning ourselves. So thank you for bringing it up to show that it's not always like a unicorn and rainbow all the time. It's not always like a happy oh, ending. Oh my God. The journey can be dazzling and it can be dizzying. It could be, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I like to think that like basically I added a massive catalyst mm. where there were a few lower lows that I would have had mm. when you, when you're really going through a rough patch and you're like disoriented often like alone or not having your your support system yeah and sometimes when you're taking risks and adventures things can happen yeah but i had many more higher highs than i probably would have mm. so it's basically doubling down on life you can lose the bet maybe yeah <laughs> temporarily yeah or you can uh advance your path and that's how your highs were worth it oh my god <laughs> no 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 i mean if i if i had to summarize the top 10 or 20 or 30 moments or experience in life the vast majority would have happened in just a short amount of time in the yes. last few years. Yes. And the other thing that I really liked about your approach was setting big, hairy, audacious goal. Because often people get terrified by this big goal that they've set. But actually, I see it the other way around. Like, in order for us to get into the flow state, we need to be in that state where we're really fighting for our life. We need to be really so engaged that we become so present and committed to the present moment or what we want to work on. So when the goal becomes that, big and like scary you're like Fuck, i really want to make this happen and you become so focused and like hooked into making that goal happen so that's what you did for yourself like yeah because uh it's so challenging and it's it, it, and it makes you feel alive that you you so you became so committed to want to make it happen exactly I'm, I'm a big believer in that from a spiritual level you need to uh, tell the universe ask the universe declare to the universe what you want but even on a practical level if you tell people things will happen yeah things will unfold in a, in a real world sense yeah even if you don't buy the spiritual bullshit i believe i'm curious at the end of your travel when you reach the 100th country how did that feel like 
Well, it was just, the timing was impeccable because I was on that cruise, that conference for nomads. Right. And I gave the talk four days before a stopover in Cape Verde, um, this African island nation. And most countries I've been to, I spent at least a few days. Um, I don't like to consider like the flybys. But it was just too convenient to say, like, okay, in four days, you're going to join me in exploring my 100th country. Yeah. I got this uh, bracelet there, or necklace as a souvenir. Um, and, like, serendipitously, like, that day at the beach, I left my bag and went into the water and was, like, having fun and came back out and couldn't find my bag. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking around, looking around, I was getting nervous. Because I think I might have had my passport because I was like, I entered the country. And then there was a local guy selling these necklaces I'm wearing. And he saw me looking at my bag and he flagged me over without a word of English and was like, this is it. And he was watching it for me without me even asking him. And, you know, you hear all these stereotypes like it's dangerous in Africa, there's crime or all these developing countries. And like, I just thought it was like a perfect example of how you know, this cool looking older guy, like very exotic looking, you know, such different lives, mm-hmm. but we're connected or just being a good people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it was an illustration of like, why I love to travel is mm-hmm. that we're all connected. Yeah. And, you know, no matter how different someone feels, there are people out there that are, you're meant to be like, you're just connected. Yeah. Um, and especially when it comes to comparing it to like, where I come from, the modern West, where, you know, of, of the, of the, all those countries I lived in, 90% of the time I was in developing countries, almost all the time, like living in Kenya, Colombia, like countries that are known for, uh, at least infamous for crime mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, safety. Yeah. Do you know, I only got robbed twice in my life and both times were in Europe. Wow. During his travels. Wow. And I'm like, Amsterdam and Barcelona, where it's supposed to be like safe and modern and everything. Yeah. And that was, I was only there 10% of the time. Wow. And never in Kenya, never in Colombia. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm just trying to say like a lot of times these, there's misconceptions out there. And yeah. until you, one of the things I love about traveling is like you get empirical evidence. You get to experience firsthand mm. your own journey of what the people are like, what the, yes. what you see and, and not, read about something yes. you know, like hear one newscaster or say something you know yes experiencing it firsthand yes. that's that's the real deal because special is these where there's just so much misinformation and overwhelming sources saying different things about everything and then you don't know what's true anymore unless you see and experience it firsthand and that's what traveling offers to you yeah and like just an extra point on that is like and I also wanted to move more from the sightseeing adventure backpacker to building mm. something. My dream was to create a social enterprise. Mm. So as I got to know these nomads better and better and followed around these conferences and, and, and events, co-working hubs, I would often ask them, so how do you connect with locals? How do you get back to the community? And most of the time I hear the same answer. I don't know. But if you figure it out, let me know, because mm. I'd like to. Mm. So when I heard that enough times, I'm like, aha, there's a need, there's a gap. Yeah. You know, I want to share that, like, 
I think skills is a really important way to try to advance our mission because, you know, like that kind man outside who served us the, the snacks we had, what's the difference between him and, and you and me, right? The main difference is skills. And so he probably is making better income than if he didn't speak English, Yeah. right? And there's so many people in these tourist destinations that are missing out on the tourism economy and the better income uh, better economic opportunities because that's skill. Yeah. And the next level skill up that's commonly missed is digital skills. Mm-hmm. And some of these skills don't actually require like a four-year degree or some master's. Yeah. They can be like a social media course. Yeah. It could be like a graphic design. You know, there's some things that only take a few months to learn. So why is that the, the whole path? And then they, you know, they're serving 22-year-olds that took the three-month course that are making... 10 times more than they are mm-hmm. um so i would love to sort of like you know focus a lot of our future efforts on bridging the the the, the widening gap of yeah. economic opportunity as this global economy is just advancing faster than people can catch up yeah i love that you're focusing on the real core thing that will level the playing field instead of just giving <clears throat> uh the fish you're teaching them how to fish yes uh, how they, we could they, we could advance them in their own lives, not constantly relying on donations and help, but how to create that change themselves. And, you know, our tagline is inspire yourself, inspire the world. And the logo is a spiral with the heart in the middle. So mm-hmm. I feel like you need to start with putting your own oxygen mask on first, like inspire yourself, and then you can help others and they can help you back. Yeah. But um, I also want to share that, like, I have learned and a lot of my friends in this space have learned a lot from the locals and then, you know, why is it that I was so unhappy, mm. like playing the Western mentality of like learning skills and making money? And a lot of my friends were too. And you look at some of the statistics of people that are, you know, having psychological problems and depression. And it's it, the evidence is in the pudding. When you look at like the medicine, the the number of prescriptions people are taking for mental health, the obesity rate. Mm. There's so many underlying issues. So I want to be very clear that. It's not us foreigners are obliged to help locals. It's mm-hmm. also the locals are teaching us so much because the power of community, the mm-hmm. power of their faith, um, the power of family. Yes. Like they are, I look up to mm-hmm. communities like the ones around us right now. Mm-hmm. And I learn a lot. Like I often um, am envious. Yeah. It's not about the money, it's not about buying things. It's, yes, it's about being happy. Yeah, you know. Yes, I think that there's a happiness gap Absolutely. that yeah. correlated with the corporate path or the money making path. Yes, um, um, that's beautiful, man. I think you're you're so right. I think it's not just a one way exchange. It's both ways. Through helping them, we learn so much of all these fundamental things that we have lost in our Western civilization because of how we become so obsessed with consumerism, capitalism, and all this stuff of consuming more and and uh, being more individualistic. And we lost touch with what makes us human, which was the community, a sense of belonging, simple things that make us happy. And by being on the ground to help them see their how they live their lives, we, we ground them back to see what truly matters to us. And I was just, I just heard this on the podcast saying they always say like 
altruism, helping others is a very selfless thing, but it's also a selfish thing. Because yeah, self-serving. Self-serving. We, we gain so much yeah. from helping them. We feel this sense of fulfillment. We feel that we're useful. We feel like we're making an impact. So it's, it's a... It's a both uh, it's a mutual exchange. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's a and they, it's an expanding exchange. Mm. It's like the spiral. It's the virtuous cycle because the the more that and I find this from a practical level and also from a spiritual level, like like karma. You know, the more that you can uh, inspire others. You know, like let's say you go even as simple as like smiling, going out of and smiling, and then they smile back, and then that raises the energy, and then it just. There's just like, all right, they were coming to an end. Okay. And uh, I would love for you to share some of your lessons and takeaways that you've learned through your life. I'm certainly no guru, but from my own personal journey, um, I'll summarize a couple I already mentioned to start with is surround yourself with the energies who mm-hmm. inspire you because they're contagious. And that's something I, I really try to do. And that the inverse is true mm-hmm. by eliminating the less healthy ones as well. Yeah. Um, I really think it's important to, especially during a growth phase, is to lose yourself, is mm-hmm. to step outside of your, whatever it is you're doing that you want to change. Changing the environment helps. And that's mm-hmm. why I went down the domain path, is that my, my growth accelerated drastically because even the people who love you, I found, can hold me back. Yeah. And not because of their fault, it's yeah. because I fall into the patterns of my identity of who they think I was mm. rather than who I want to be. And every time you change the environment, if there's growth happening, the new community, the new people see the current version, maybe even the future version. Mm. Um, and I would say, you know, it's all about love versus fear and um, really trying to understand that, like, the things you don't like is there judgment there and is it judgment for the right reasons and is it really fear-based judgment mm-hmm. um so really trying to challenge my assumptions yeah um and everything i do yeah. and every time there's a situation that arises that might be challenging from a personal interaction to uh, uh something external it's like you know it's not what the universe does to you it's what happens for you kind mm-hmm. of mentality like why is this happening and trying to find the the optimistic perspective on it because you can tell yourself any story you want yeah so you might as well tell yourself the more interesting productive story yes <laughs> you know um and the more healthier story here's one that i i could i could try to act on is you know how they say don't make rash decisions when you're angry mm. well i believe the inverse is equally true so mm. make the big decisions and commit to it when you're most inspired because for me anyway my mind will rationalize why i shouldn't later on when i go back to the baseline my normal baseline or even love mm-hmm. but if you make those commitments when you're your best self and the most confident yes and then you end up going to auto, auto i go into auto drive where i'm like well i said i was going to explore hundred crunches between my marathons and create social enterprise so i might as well do that even when i'm low because yeah. that's my project plan now yeah so don't make the big decisions when you're feeling low i love that I love that. And a few things I may add as my takeaway is one is to 
do things that make you feel alive yeah. regardless of your fear yes and then you just embodied that so much you know doing marathon for the first time and deciding to leave everything behind the career you've built for 12 years and just to travel the world and really see what the world has to offer to you that was very inspiring and just shows how there's no limit to human potential you know as long as you put your mind to it and it's, it's not going to be easy and it's going to be scary but sometimes what's scary is what also makes you feel the most alive yes it's often, it's often the irony what you're afraid of is often what you really desire most in life and I think you saw that in yourself like, and you've been traveling constantly breaking all the ceilings oh my god like I mean one, one final thought on that to kind of bring us home with you is like there was a few big moments especially in the beginning and throughout where I came to the realization that I'm not all that afraid of dying. Mm. I'm, I'm way more afraid of not living the life I imagined. Mm. And, and that's what, that's what scares me. Yeah. That's what really scares me. Cause you know, at the end of the day, at the, at the, for the sake of, I think at the cost of me feeling, sounding a little morbid, we are all going to die. Yes. And time is flying by. I mean, I can't believe I'm 42 years old. Like I get, I still think I'm like a thirty year old, right? I can't believe that either. You look like thirty year old, and I saw you. <laughs> you you carry that likeness and uh, the the spirit in you. Thanks. No, I appreciate the kind of words. Uh, maybe it's because I'm living a less, in some ways, a less stressful life, right? But the point I was just making with that is like, time is flying. Mm. Like, you know, you're gonna wake up one day and you'll be forty two, and then we'll both be sixty two and eighty two if we're lucky, and then like. Well, let's not watch life pass us by. If we actually have those goals, and yeah. if we don't have those dreams, the question is why? Mm -hmm. Are we not even allowing ourselves yeah. to set an expectation or a dream that we don't want to let go of? Yes. Scale that. Yeah. So, you know, that's the important stuff was you yeah. know, connecting with the inner self to understand who we really are and what we really want. Mm -hmm. And you might as well go after it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What really struck a chord with me with your story was uh, looking at the 12 years of your life being in the corporate and seeing how that was so much of a blur. But like when you pick any given day during that travel time and you're like, I couldn't remember exactly what happened. And I think to me, life is all about collecting all these experiences that you want to carry with you to your deathbed, knowing that, wow, I really lived a fucking amazing life. Yes. And this, these are all the days that we want to create for ourselves every day. Couldn't agree with you more, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, brother. This has been so inspiring. You've inspired me so much to just live a life full of purpose and authenticity. And I'm sure you've inspired so many of the people who will be listening to this episode as well. Um, right back at you. <laughs> I find you just as amazing and inspiring. And like, I just love how you're about and really, you know, inspiring people to challenge their assumptions to grow and then also through warm space like i just love it i love how you're creating meaningful connections in the modern age and like there's nothing that's needed more than that mm, uh, thank you for that beautiful reflection little plug on my warm space over there yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> thank you uh, and if people want to find you and know more about moments giving back how can they uh, do that yeah um just check out the website or social media handles on all of them. Uh, Nomads Giving Back. And yeah. there's also Nomad Skillshare. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to connect more with people about learning skills. And yeah, I uh, 
I welcome anyone who's interested in getting involved or if I can be of help, don't be shy. And you can reach out to me personally. Uh, my handle on Instagram is tarik.world. Um, I'd love to hear from you. How about that handle? You're just a global citizen. <laughs> so make sure to put all the details and contact information on the description of the podcast. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so, uh, so much again, Terry, for inspiring us. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for having me. See you next time.